Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we are looking at do you trade locally or do you trade globally? Big challenge for a lot of people and you can be motivated by ego or you can be motivated by common sense and dollars. Which camp are you in? Look forward to seeing you in the broadcast. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Laurential. Pleasure to be here, Mr. Baxter. Thank you for having me on the show. Now to park a little bit more of a local discussion, which we typically have in our market here, I want to chat to you about evolving into the foreign markets in your mm. trading, buying and selling shares in the US market, a little bit more complicated, plenty to consider in there. Definitely, and look, a lot of people that are in the investing space, they feel it's part of a growth journey. You know, I've started in the Aussie market, now it's time to embrace the overseas markets. And before you go doing that, I think a really good place to start is to back out and go, what's my objective here? To manage risk, make some money and add to my lifestyle. And sometimes those things can just as easily be done domestically as they can in the bemoth uh, juggernaut of the US market or any overseas market for that matter. So you know, for someone that's starting out, if we talk to someone that's at ground zero, base camp one, um, wanted to get started in markets and investing, starting in the local market is a lot easier for a number of reasons. Now, of course, there are pros and there are cons, and we'll work through those very systematically on the local market, then we'll talk about what they are for people looking overseas. All right, well, let's jump straight into gear then, AB. In terms of trading the Aussie market, which yep. is our bread and butter, we'll say that the share market at the moment, mm. um, what are the pros and cons? It's, it's, it's local, duh, <laughs> duh, it's duh. local. So you've got something that's in your time zone, you've got something that you probably, you're more familiar with. So if you talk about something like Harvey Norman or Commonwealth Bank or Telstra, um, the chances are you're using those services, so you've got a very good idea what those businesses actually do. Not always, because sometimes companies are a bit more complicated than that, but by and large, you've got an idea of what those businesses do. So making that decision to invest in them psychologically is a little easier. As I think as human beings, when we've got an idea of what something is or we understand it, we're more comfortable committing our time or our money uh, to that particular thing. Whereas if it's something that's an unknown, um, then it becomes a little bit of a, a bigger mountain to climb to make that financial commitment. It, may, it makes sense, and I think an add, a point to add to that as well is that when it comes to economics and mm. fundamental analysis, which is one of the three key pillars that we teach mm. throughout our cash flow and demand program, is much easier to apply in a local market because we're hearing about what the RBA is doing with interest rates or inflation, yeah. then applying that to stocks to Look, trade is much easier. It, it, it's proximity, there's no question about that. And that, that is a huge, huge advantage. You know, there's coverage in the media, it's understanding of the businesses, you can touch and feel the services, it feels safer, it's in local currency, it's easy to open a broking account in order to transact them, it's in your time zone, you know, anytime between 10 and four every day, Monday to Friday, you can buy and sell shares here in Australia. Sounds pretty so, good, I might start. So Investing. Yeah, and then you've got the detractors. <laughs> then you've got the detractors. Oh, yeah, it's too small a market. Well, unless you happen to be sitting on a, you know, several uh, multiples of billions of dollars, it's a big enough market to trade for anybody that's a retail investor. Um, you know, uh, the, the the reality is, of course, that Australia is only you know 1.5 or so percent of the world economy, and there are much bigger markets. The US being the the, the, the obvious example, which we'll go to in a moment. But I think for someone getting started, get started locally in the first instance, and you don't need to put any further along the line you can make great money there are hundreds of companies you can trade I guess maybe a little bit later on we might talk a bit more about the options market which is you know our, our area our backyard if you will and that does become and does present a few more challenges trading locally but we'll deal with that a bit later on so um, you know easy to trade it's in your time zone easy to open a broking account you can understand the businesses um, yeah, it's a great great rolling start 
as we become more curious, of course, and we um, are curious we're, uh, by curious nature, you know, and we live in a global world these days too. You know, the globalization is such a huge thing that the notion of wanting to invest in global leading businesses, as I say, we've plenty of those in Australia. We've got one of the world's best banking sectors. We've certainly got the world's best iron ore mining sector, and we've got a very strong mining sector per se. We've got some incredibly strong tech companies, WiseTech, uh, Afterpay, Zip, uh, being just some examples of what we've got there as well. But when you look at what's available on the world stage, you know, think about gigabrands, Facebook, uh, Netflix, Disney, Pfizer, um, you know, big the, companies. These, these are the Google, um, you know, Amazon. Um, that's the U.S. market, and and that's going to lead a lot of people in if they want to have exposure to some of the real global players uh, from an investment point of view. And and look, it is very very appealing, and some of them have been very very strong performers. Um, the pros. For getting into those markets, they are world-leading companies, uh, and, and in some cases, you know, in the case of, say, for example, Facebook, um, yeah, they're a monopoly, a natural monopoly. In the case of Amazon, realistically, it's a monopoly. Um, you know, in the case of Disney, in terms of what it does, to, to all intents and purposes, it's pretty much a monopoly now as well. And so, you know, there's a very, very compelling investment case for those types of businesses. Um, you know, it's a vast, 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 biz, uh, vast economy. There are cons to that, though. One is that not all broking accounts need to trade overseas, as happens to make it very easy, and we also make it very low cost by virtue of their size. The time zone is also a challenge if you wanted to trade live in markets, depending on your lifestyle. So, you know, if you're someone here on the East Coast, you're going to trade probably um, the closing part of the market. You're up at five or six in the morning to do that. Whereas if you're on the West Coast, you're probably going to be trading the opening part of the US market, just purely and simply based on geography and times. The bigger challenge, I think, is that touch and feel around businesses. You know, if we were to compare you know, a shopping center operator in America versus a shopping center operator here in Australia. So if we take, say, vicinity centers, and, and, and their, their, their assets include things like Chadstone, it's the largest shopping center in Australia, uh, Chatswood in Sydney, uh, the QVB building in Sydney, uh, the... Um, um, trying to think what the other one is they've got a, the iconic in melbourne is another one of their their brands um you know right now that we're not in our cbds because of the way that people have been working from home in that COVID environment is that the same in america and that's something you've possibly got to think about because you know the vaccination program is much more evolved in the u.s more people have been vaccinated the economy is opening up so where shopping centers haven't necessarily got a foot traffic here they've got more over in the US. And that's that's a little bit of a harder piece of analysis to get your head around because you can't see it firsthand. And it's what we mentioned at the start of the broadcast mm. is understanding how economics plays a part in your trading. Yeah. You know, we hear about US CPI, Jerome Powell addressing the central mm. bank and the Fed and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts over there. There is, and it's, and it's a whole new language to learn, different names. Uh, you know, you're familiar with news here, it makes it a little bit easier. So that, 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 that distance certainly makes it a little bit harder. Also, some of the companies are companies that you may not necessarily have heard of. You understand what they do, but you didn't realize that was the parent company, for example, that it kind of sits behind the business. So there's that sort of learning requirement to, 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 to sort of expand your knowledge, which is a little bit more challenging. Again, we specialize in teaching this stuff. 
Uh, so it can be learned, uh, and you can fast track that very, very quickly. But trying to work it out on your own, you know, you're going to know what the big brands are, you're going to know what the big listed companies are, but really, what are the things to look for when you trade them? Well, let's get into the crux of the broadcast then, Abby. Let's get a slither of our education. Mm. How do you start trading the US market? Mm. What's your evolution look, look like? I, I think you know you've got to have your technicals under control. And the great thing about technical analysis is it doesn't matter what you're looking at, whether it's a commodity, whether it's a currency, whether it's an Australian stock or a US stock. Charts are charts. So it's a very pure way of learning. And I think, again, for a lot of people that are new into this journey, that's the obvious place to start because it doesn't matter if you've acquired that set of skills, you can pick it up and move it anywhere in the world and apply it to the market of your choice, even crypto for that matter, albeit a fairly red market. To look at right now. Um, so, so that part of it is relatively easy. The more challenging side is the fundamental side of it as you start to learn uh, you know, what those businesses do. You know, also, just talking about overseas, one of the risks, of course, is currency conversion. Um, you know, that, that is a risk if you've got your money in US dollars and the currency moves. We've seen a 3% move over the course of two days uh, between the Aussie and the US this week. So that can affect things. So there's another risk, which is uh, another set of advanced or more advanced things to consider as you, as, you, as you evolve on the journey. So getting your head around the fundamentals for these businesses, there's a whole new set of economic data to understand. There's a whole new economic calendar to understand. Um, there's also a whole shift in that US companies report quarterly. Australian companies tend to report every six months. Now, now we love the fact that US companies oh, report yeah, quarterly do. because we've got some very specific option strategies that we use to, to, to absolutely zone in on those announcement times to smash it, that's that, that as our pure objective is to be, so we've got a, an abundance of opportunity there. But for someone that's maybe a more buy and hold type investor that's newer into markets, this notion of just buying a stock and then every quarter you just see the price go berserk for a couple of days is a really disruptive part of the psychology, especially if you're new. You know, well, starting this market, she's pretty volatile. Yeah, because they have more guidance than we do, so instead of having to wait to the half year, you're getting it four times a year. It's a simple thing. But it's the sort of thing that you need to be acutely aware of when you start on that journey. So where, where do you actually start? Because mm. fundamentals, as we know, is a really hard pillar to master. And as an economist, you've yeah. obviously got that down pat. But mm. for the average Joe Bag of Donuts, it's their first couple of trades in markets. They've done okay on the Aussie market. They want to try out mm. this beast that is the US market. Yeah. Where do you go to understand some of this information? Well, without being too self-ashamed and plugging, that's exactly what we teach. But you know, parking that to the side, I'm sure there's a link somewhere around this page where you can get in touch Click with here. us. <laughs> click here. Um, on that, you know, start small and start in a very specialist area. I, 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 I'm not a lazy person, as you all know, certainly in terms of my disposition, but I'm, I'm a fairly lazy trader in that if I look at my trades over the last probably 10 years, you'd probably find the same 100 stocks uh, sitting there. And I know 100 stocks is probably quite a lot for most people that are, that are new to investing. Well, I've been doing this for 30 years, but I've got my go-tos that I keep going back to because I've taken the time to understand what drives their business and what things to look out for. Um, you know, and if you take a very simple example like Tesla, terrific stock to trade, probably a little bit volatile uh, and spicy for someone that's relatively new, and also a fairly expensive stock too for someone that's new in terms of you know the capital requirements to get a, a decent lick of it. But when you look at that business, it's not just the it's not just the the quarterly earnings guidance. Is where do you go to monitor their month to month and quarter to quarter car sales because that's actually the leading indicator for where the share price is going. So there's a very specialised um, nuance uh, to look for when it comes to Tesla. If you're talking about Netflix, for example, when do they publish their subscriber numbers and how can you keep an eye on that because that's massively important for a subscription business such as Netflix. So there are some particular crosshairs that you've kind of got to put on the on there and learn to understand and where to find. 
No different to if you're trading an Australia mine. You know, what iron ore price is doing if you're trading something like Fortescue, you've kind of got to know. Um, so, you know, you've got to build that specialist armory, if you will. So start with a fairly small universe of stocks. Mine's about 100, but I'd bring that well in. So if you're someone that's been trading in Australia and you've been trading the banks, great dividend, nice franking credit, fairly low risk play, backbone of the economy, great story. Well, all of those attributes also move across to the US. If you are of a view that the US economy is expanding, which by golly it is, then you're probably going to want to have some exposure to the banks. But which banks? Uh, you know, and what are the things to then look for within them? So, you know, and, and, and when it comes to banking, like in Australia, you know, Commonwealth, NAB, Westpac, ANZ, there they are, they're the big four. But what about Macquarie? Well, it's, it's a different type of business. It's an investment bank, whereas these are retail banks. So the risk profile on them is quite different. Again, if you live in Australia, you'd be kind of familiar with that. Let's translate that across to the US right now. So, you know, if you wanted to start with the banking sector, you know, you've got Bank of New York Mellon, you've got Bank of America, Wells Fargo, there's a myriad, there's hundreds of banks that you can trade there, but they're probably your big three to really consider. Retail banks, you know. And mean? these are retail banks, or two and a half, two, two, two and a half of them are retail banks. Sure. Bank of America happens to own Merrill Lynch. Now, you probably won't remember Merrill Lynch during the GFC, it went away, the Gallup, heard of it. the thundering herd, yeah. um, and Bank of America acquired it, and that's its stockbroking business, it's a big retail broking business. So that's kind of starting to sort of step on the, on the line. And then on the other side of the equation to compare to the likes of Macquarie, um, you've got Morgan Stanley, you've got Goldman Sachs. So you've got investment banks and then you've got retail banks. So there's a universe of five stocks for you to get your head around right now. So if you're a bank investor, there's your Aussie big four. If you go to the US, stay in the banks so you can use the expertise, what makes their businesses tick, are they lending, are the housing approvals moving up, um, you know, all of those different things, what do their bad debts look like, and then overlay that on the US. So what about something like an ETF in that situation? Because what that'll do is take out all of the stress of stock selection, yet allow you to get exposure to US banks. Stock, stock selection's where the fun is, It surely. is the fun part, you're right. But it's also the hard bit too. It's the hard bit, mm. and when it's your hard-earned money involved, you want to make mm. sure that you can sleep at yeah. night, which we talk about the sleep at night test, right? 100%. So you know, there are a whole raft of exchange-traded funds, so you could have exchange-traded funds to the financials, you can have an exchange-traded fund that just focuses on banks. So that's a really good place to park your cash. And it's not a cop-out going, oh, you couldn't handle picking a stock. That's just you and your ego talking. That's just a really nice, safe place to cut your teeth and see what having overseas investing actually feels like. Yeah, you could go to a managed fund, but if you're in a managed fund in Australia, you're gonna be paying fees out of your ears. You're better off just going directly with an exchange-traded fund yourself and getting your hands on the tools and feeling what that's all like. And not underperforming. <laughs> not underperforming, which most fund managers do, that's right. So, you know, having got a start in, say, banking, then you might sort of start to broaden your horizons and go, okay, um, you know, I've, I've, I've taken a decent look at, at, at retail, what retail stocks want to look at. And let's say, you know, you follow Meyer or David Jones too, that I would probably avoid like herpes if you had the chance here in Australia. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you look to the US, you know, you've got stocks like Macy's, for example, which would be your equivalent there. And again, these are names that people are familiar with. Yeah, you see them in movies, TV shows, and things like that. And maybe you've shopped in them when you've been in the US. And just gradually parlay your knowledge across over into those certain sectors and, and, and stocks that you're familiar with. And that's the best place to start. It is fraught with risk because, as I say, the news flow, you're kind of playing catch-up because we get the news flow in the morning when it happened in the daytime there. So you are kind of playing catch-up, which is a bit of a risk. But at the same time, it's, an, it's, a, it's, I mean, it's the world's largest economy by a mile. And the myriad, the plethora of stocks that you can trade there 
that are world-leading stocks make it a very, very compelling case. And look, it's not evolution from an ego point of view. You can make great money in Australia. You can make great money there too. It just depends on what you are doing this for. It makes a lot of sense and it's an important part to consider that it's not about ego, it's about choosing the right market for you. Yeah. And something that's probably a little bit more specific, I know we mentioned as we become to the end of the broadcast here, AB, is options trading. Now, we, we were can, at the end of the broadcast, yeah. now we're going to be another half an hour. With yeah, this yeah I know. We could go on this for ages, right? <laughs> options trading, yeah. derivatives. Now, right. we don't want to get too complex with this as much as we'd love to. Mm. What is options trading and how does it okay. apply in both markets? So options are a derivative. A derivative is something that's prices derived from an underlying asset, in this case, shares. So this is this is a place where we know and love, and this is not the forum to teach it. We've got plenty of medium for doing that. Um, if you trade options, for example, uh, in Australia, and it's a good options market, you know, if you take the number of stocks you can trade options, about 140 stocks. In reality, there's probably 40 that you'd probably want to trade options on, and then out of that 40, there's the power 10 or dozen, which is normally where we play very, very heavily. We go to town. Yeah. So there's a relatively small universe uh, that have got what we call liquid, or, or, or they've got good market depth or good liquidity, and this is this is extremely important from a technical point to understand. Anyone that's ever bought or tried to sell shares, when you go onto a trading screen, um, you're going to see two prices. You know, how much of the shares? Well, there are two prices. There's a buy price and there is a sell price. And, and the difference between them is called the buy and sell or the, the bid and offer spread. When you've got really liquid markets, lots of buyers and sellers, those prices are fairly tight together, usually a cent, sometimes two cents apart. For options though, because it's a smaller subset of an already fairly small market, being the Aussie equity market, um, that spread can actually be quite wide. It might be 5 or 10 or 15 cents or, or, or 10 or 20% difference between the buy and sell price. Now, that might only be like, say, 5 or 10 cents, which on paper doesn't sound like a lot, but that's 5 or 10 cents that's coming out of your profit and loss account on sure. the trade. Now, it's important to understand, the more buyers and sellers you have in a market, the tighter those spreads are. So if you think about a property auction, you've got one seller, and if there's one buyer... It's challenging. It's going to be a massive. Who's going to move? Are they going to drop? Is he going to come up? Where's it going to meet? And it's going to be a very clumsy and unpleasant auction process. If you've got one seller and there are 50 registered buyers and they all want this property, that gap's going to close and be surpassed by some margin. Liquid market, lots of buyers, in this case, just one seller. But liquid market tight spread. The same is true with options. Now, the options market in Australia is in the, in the, in the dozen we typically focus on, pretty liquid. But as soon as you start to move outside of that, you lose a lot of that liquidity and all of a sudden the buy and sell prices start to widen out a little bit, which if you're just buying a call option because you think the stock's going up or you're just buying a put because you think the price is going down and you're trying to protect or, or you're doing a covered call, you own some shares, 100 shares, and you're going to sell an option over that to generate some income, great strategy. Um, it's not that big a deal. But when you start to move into multi-legged option strategies, which we won't be going into in this podcast, you know, spreads, butterflies, condors, and, and the like. The fun stuff. All of a sudden, that buy and sell spread is on four or six or eight legs. It starts to become pretty expensive if it's not an efficient market with lots of buyers and sellers. Go across the US, it's, it's a much busier and more liquid market by an order. So the, the spreads are much tighter. It's far more efficient to trade. Transaction fees a bit lower, and it can make a compelling case if you want to play at that level. It makes total sense. So I think what, what I can probably draw from that is trading options in the US is, is probably easier in terms of the spreads and liquidity. Especially if you're just going to be an options only trader. There are significant advantages for doing that. If you're just sure. doing cover calls, it 
Really doesn't matter that much. Doesn't make a difference. Mm. Look, there's a lot of moving parts there, and I think there's plenty to consider both from a mechanical point of view when it comes to liquidity and depth mm. and also fundamentals. So mm. as we cap off this broadcast, AB, your advice to a, a, a person who's, who's getting into their trading, whether it be stocks or options in terms of choosing your market, whether it be Aussie, US, uh, Asian markets, <laughs> European, there's plenty to choose yeah. from. You can trade any. I think trading local is always a great place to start. You know, my expertise, having you know, worked in the city of London as I did, was in the UK market. So coming to Australia, all of a sudden, my disposition was I wanted to trade a market I knew an awful lot about, but it's on the other side of the world, totally different time zone. So for me, having to start again, you know, albeit you know, 20 years ago now, uh, here in Australia was, was quite the process. So it was almost like a control out, delete, here you go, start again. So I kind of know what people are going through in, in, in this space, even though I've been in this industry for an awful long time. Start local. Don't overthink it because if you start, oh, am I going to do overseas? Am I going to do local? Am I going to do? Just get started. Get started. Get a broking account open. Get it funded. Find a very small number of stocks that you can learn a little bit about so you can feel comfortable with them. Pick stocks that you've got an interest in. So if you're into gaming, pick a stock that's in gaming. If you if you're into shopping, pick a shop. That, uh, pick a stock that's in shopping. If you if you're in construction or engineering, find something in that space to leverage off the skills you already have. And then start to spread that knowledge out, find your half dozen to maybe 10 stocks to start trading and build your confidence up and build your real life experience up. Actually do some investing. Don't keep learning, you've got to dollarize it. So actually get started because you know, hitting the go button is very different to paper trading or pretending or being an analyst. Getting your money in the market is a, for a lot of people is an emotional experience that they've got to push through if they want to be successful at investing. So start local, get your account open, get it funded, find your two, three, five, ten stocks, don't go more than ten stocks, they're the ones that you trade. Make sure they're not all in the same sector, concentration risk is too high. So a couple of banks, a couple of miners, something in retail, a grocer, that's a good spread. See how you go with that. Work on finessing, learn as you go along. Reading the charts, understanding the fundamentals in those business. Have risk management, stop losses, always very, very important part of it. Then set a review. And for example, in our money and investing journals, one of the things we talk about is that date night with your money. Monthly review at least. I mean, you might do this weekly, some people do it daily, but review how it's going, how you're feeling about the journey, not just the P&L, are you making money, losing money, whatever it might be, but how are you feeling about this? Do you feel that you're uh, making progress? Are you getting more confident? Do you, can you have a conversation about that stock with a total stranger without putting them to sleep or confusing them? And that will show that you're starting to learn this sort of stuff up. Set yourself a goal maybe six months in to 12 months in where you've been able to get some level of results and say, am I happy with this? In which case, add more ingredients. That's called more cash to your account and grow your returns that way. Or if you've got that carrot that's dangling, that, that unitchable, unquenchable itch of, well, I'd like to trade some other stuff overseas, start to open the door. But when you open that door, go back to ground zero, small account, one or two stocks, pad out your knowledge, do it for real, see how it feels, add a few more stocks into universe and gradually work on it. Take your 12 month review, which was the most profitable for me, local or overseas? Noting, of course, locally, you've probably got a six month head start in terms of your experience. Run another six months and then compare them again. And you may see that that's a journey that you enjoy. Getting up at five o'clock in the morning is fantastic. Best thing in the world to do because no one's going to interrupt your time unless you're in my house with the army of kids that I've got. <laughs> Dad, can we do that? That's not such a good thing. But five o'clock in the morning, boom, get your business done. And by the time you walk out the door to go to work, if you're someone that's working, you've already made your money for the day. And this is just cream on the cake. And that's the game of money is to not be um, you know, reliant on a job. It's having that second source of income. And everybody has time for this. Somebody, oh, gee, it sounds like a lot of work. 
really? What's, what's hard about this? Making more money and the hourly rate that you'll earn out of your trading will eclipse anything that you're likely to do in your career, hands down. There's nothing like it because there's no cap on it. You can make $1,000 an hour, you can make 50 grand an hour, you can make $100,000 an hour if you're good at what you do. You can't do that work. Absolutely not, AB, thank you very much. That's certainly great advice. US, Aussie, plenty to consider, a lot of moving parts, but nonetheless, great information, thank you. Anytime, it's absolute pleasure. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating to make it easier for other people to find the information we wanna share, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week.